Hello, hello. Welcome to the Eddie Conversation Podcast. My name is Eddie V. Hill, and I am your host. Uh, this is episode number 67. Um, I'm a filmmaker living out in Los Angeles, California, and joining me today, another filmmaker, Jessica Just- Brown. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> no, all is well. Um, okay. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. This is a, such an honor. <laughs> no, happy to happy to chat. It's been a little bit. Um, I was gonna just for for a quick foundational intro. You are uh, an actor. Yes. Writer. Yes. Director. Yes. How? What other? How else should we? Uh, what? What else? What else for for the people at home to? understand well, a little bit from the top i like to say i'm a jesse of all trades i will do screenwriting acting directing producing pa editing uh i love i would like to get more into foley i like the idea of creation of sounds um and i wish i could do more with instruments and scoring uh, I just anything with sounds and music. I just I don't know if that's because of the whole mental spectrums of disabilities and all of that. Just sounds. I just love, and I wish I could do more of that. Um, but yeah, I'm a good person to have on set because I'm trained in just a little bit of everything. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of that's c- the only thing you didn't mention there was visual effects and uh <laughs> camera. I can I could put up a camera, I can shoot it and I can hit record and I could do I wish I could do more with creativity. I just haven't had m- recent opportunities to kind of explore cinematography if that makes sense. And so I mean it, everything that we just mentioned is a world of its own. So yes. just the fact that You've dipped in so many pools, <laughs> baskets. I don't know. <laughs> uh, is yeah. I think it feels helpful for the writing side, for the directing side. It's all it's all useful stuff. Yes, absolutely. Uh, definitely think think <laughs> it helps people with uh, communicating on set. Uh, like even if you don't know uh, cinematography or editing, if you have an idea. And when you're trying to communicate to your team, uh, you'll be able to convey your idea better because you'll have that foundation of experience. For sure. Uh, so to to begin here today, let's get a little bit of uh, let's get a little bit of um, the Jessica Brown story. Uh, I do. I know um, you're from Iowa. Yes. Uh, how long have you been in Los Angeles? Ooh, it's starting to get fuzzy somewhere around four or five years. Okay. <laughs> California right. for about 12 to 15 years. Okay, because you were in the Bay. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Jessica, where do we, where do we, where does your, um, when did you get the, the bug to uh, pursue film? And then I want to hear a little bit about the pre-film bug, Jessica Phase 2, and what, what life was like and what your dreams were before film was discovered. Well, I mean, okay, so my father is a screenwriter. So growing up, I would always see him at the desk writing or often just 
looking at the computer, trying to get that inspiration to kind of type away. So, and then my grandfather is a, a poet. Um, so I, there's always been that creativity in my family. Um, I, my first script that I tried uh, was an attempt of Bloody Mary. But I didn't know how to spell Mary, so it was Bloody Murray. <laughs> um, and that was it until about when I left high school. I did a little bit of pre-K teaching. That ended, and I didn't have anything holding me down in Iowa. So I literally packed my car and drove to the bay and... That in itself was an adventure. Um, why Why to the Bay? Well, so one of my high school friends moved to Pleasant Hill, and I had visited her a few times. And um, initially, I never even wanted to move to California. The idea of California just disgusted me for some reason, even though I never, never had been here. Just, I don't know what it was, but I came here. And I loved it, came back again. It's like, yeah, I'm going to come here. And so uh, I told my friend that I was going to be moving to California and got to San Francisco. I had a spot lined up to move into. And when I got arrived into San Francisco, that location fell out. And so first day in San Francisco, I was homeless. <laughs> And I called my friend, and she said, come stay with me. And I stayed there for about a year and a half or two. Oh, dang. Uh, yeah, right in her living room, they made a little spot for me. It was cozy. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Ha yeah, we, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but being there, that's when I fell into Diablo Valley College. And while I was there... I fell into musical theater first. Did you say you fell into college? I literally, <laughs> I like, I don't know how I stumbled onto. Onto campus one day and you were just taking classes. I, I can't even recall how I found that school. Like, I wish I could <laughs> because it is an absolutely amazing school. Mm -hmm. I spent three and a half years at the two-year community college mm -hmm. um i started with musical theater got the acting bug and then that was in the summer and then the fall i had a full semester of film and theater classes and uh, i did the student governments i was the web advisor for the uh, student government as a whole the interclub council representative for the film club and the dramatic club um it was a whole thing yeah a lot <laughs> lot going on for um, sure a lot of experiences happening it sounds like yes uh helped produce the first film competition at diablo valley college that was like a festival kind of thing or or uh is a competition different than it is like I feel like the festivals you have like networking events and panels and of course the film competitions. This was just more all film screenings and then they'd compete for the top prizes. Okay, yeah, sounds 
more or less. <laughs> yeah, screening the films. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, the second uh, screening, I was uh, nominated to be the festival chair, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, from there, just stopped going to college. No really rhyme or reason, um, but I still pursued filmmaking. Um, at that time, it was my boyfriend and a close friend of ours. Um, that was just all we would do is just make films. Mm-hmm. Um we did a Guinness attempt where we would produce the fastest feature from script to screen. We did that in about 11 days, technically eight, if you don't count the days that we stopped for my boyfriend at the time. His sister was getting married. so <laughs> <laughs> You took a break during your Guinness World Record attempt to go to Hawaii. <laughs> yes. And you came back to resume the World Record attempt. Yes. It's kind of funny. But it sucks <laughs> because I dropped the ball. I didn't realize that we would have to send the final product to Germany. And I didn't know how to figure out how to f- mail this box. with the. I mean, at the time it was DVDs, not drop on WeTransfer and send it through the internet. And mm-hmm. so it was like a whole package and I didn't know how to sit, send it to them for it to be officially adjudicated. Mm-hmm. So... So I guess, okay, just to dig into the Guinness World Record thing, mm-hmm. because I did read that in, in, in my in my research. <laughs> uh, so what is what what specific record were you guys going after and what were the what were the specifications? Because I know you you descri- you describe it as like completion from script to screen of a film world record. So is that okay? What is that? You have to write the script from scratch and deliver a fully edited, fully scored, fully. So yeah, what's the minimum length? Like, what what are the what are the um, specifications? I guess is more what I'm curious about. So it was challenging because one of the rules was you had to have somebody that would not directly gain anything from the project they somebody had to be watching the entire process and uh then so the film that we were trying to beat i think they did theirs in like 15 days and with them they had the advantage they had hundreds of people helping them pull this thing together it didn't really make sense but they did it in 11 days um so what we had to do was from the time that we hit go, the, we had to make uh, an official sound that that was the start of the competition. Going into it, we couldn't have any preconceived like scripts. And then... You can't have any ideas in your brain. I mean, I did. <laughs> I had like little things to sure, explore. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's hard to manage manage that part of it, I'm sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then you did have to write a complete like from the beginning the script and then just do the whole process of a feature film 
from writing the script to producing it and then the shooting it and then uh, you had to uh, screen it in the theater and that would and then send the DVD and and then send everything in um, well sorry the screening ended it but then send everything in okay okay if I may my perspective I'm just I'm just trying to cheat the, you know I'm trying, sure. I'm trying to figure out you can po- poke the holes just I just want to get this out of my system <laughs> So, I'm trying to imagine, let's just say, you know, talking up the camera that we shoot this podcast on, uh, it rolls, you know, infinitely, indefinitely. It's nice until the memory gets full or whatever. Uh, I don't have to hit cut at any point, and it just rolls, which is lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm imagining, because I, I don't know, does have to like a 90-minute full feature, or is that the idea? It has to yes. be a minimum length? Yes. Okay. So here's what we do <laughs> is we have a Guinness person watching in the corner and then we write out di- 90 pages of dialogue between two people in one room and or just no dialogue. It's a two page script and the action description says a person sits in a room and mumbles nonsense for 90 minutes and, and scene cut to black feature film complete and then we roll camera on the person and they just roll for an hour and a half you throw on some yeah you throw on some some janky score you throw on the sound you don't even mix it like i'm just trying to see why that doesn't win and then then you just have a friend that has access to a, a theater and just put that up so like yes, that would totally do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I am I always like to make things more difficult sure. than they need to be. Um what we did was I was working at a public access station at the time, Berkeley Community Media. And what we did was I set up um in their large studio, just a simple desk, and on live TV, I just started writing out a script. And what it was was a anti-bullying script that took place in uh, high school. And through the process, I was able to connect with somebody that had access to a school, so we were able to shoot some of the mm-hmm. key scenes at the school and then we shot some at the Berkeley Community Media. And that was pretty much it. No, we shot at a park. And we had a cast of, I think, like 15 people. Very minimal crew. And at this, I remember on the screening day, we were running around the streets trying to get people to watch the film because that was also one of the requirements is to have an actual audience. So okay. we were just running up and down the streets trying to find anybody to come watch this film. Uh, it was in Antioch. It was a cute little theater. Um, the Three Stooges performed there. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. Um, yeah, it screened. I walked out of it because it was absolutely horrible. Sure. <laughs> sure. But it was it was an accomplishment that yeah. we all achieved. And the, a bunch of us were strangers. Um, we did a casting call at the studio. Uh, we did different events to kind of showcase the event and uh, the process at the studio. And 
Um, I actually tried calling the theater, I think it was this year or last year, to see if they still had a copy of that DVD, and they don't. Mm. And I dropped out of conversation with the ex, and so he doesn't have the copy anymore. So somewhere, I feel like there's a copy of this movie just floating somewhere. Okay, yeah. Well, regardless, <laughs> the, the experience is still with you. Yeah. So, <laughs> but not the not the film that you walked out of to to, to rewatch to to see. Because like, it was, I don't know. I I like the story. I would. I wish I could revamp the script and re redo it. No, I I feel that. I I look at my old stuff and I'm like. The Eddie now, <laughs> what could he do with this? Exactly. Like that's you know, those are fun thought experiments, if if at the least, you know. And then ideally, somebody gives you millions of dollars to redo it. That'd be kind of fun too. Yeah. That'd be fun. <laughs> okay. All right. So that's all out in the bay, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. All so in the bay. So, what brought you? What What was a bridge down to Los Angeles? How did you end up getting here? Oh, so we're gonna change the tone a little bit. <laughs> okay. I was living in Vallejo, California, and while I was there, I didn't do so much film. I got more into the political scene and the cannabis scene. Um, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I did attempt to open a studio while I was there, so there was that. That that was film. Yeah, it's okay to it's okay to detour from. Yeah, or or maybe at the time it wasn't a detour. That was the new plan. Like I don't. Yeah, it's okay. No, (laughs) it was. It was definitely a forced forced uh, change of plan to come to L.A. because I was really wanting to establish an indie film presence in Vallejo. Um, I started the Vallejo Filmmakers Network, which is now the California Filmmakers Network. I started that there. Oh, nice. Um, I had produced two film competitions while I was living there. Uh, horror Halloween thing that took place at the... Um, I don't even remember. Oh, Nightmare Island film competition at the Nightmare Island Halloween event. And um, I guess this, <laughs> I, I try to say this lightly because I don't want to make anybody mad. <laughs> sure. Um, there wasn't a lot of room for any... I I just say there wasn't a lot of room for me. Um, I had big goals, big ambitions, and I was very vocal in the community. And they don't, in that city, they don't really welcome people like me. I I feel what you're saying. Um, Okay, so you didn't feel welcome in the community that you helped establish? They, I felt like they literally chased me out of there. Okay. Um, I. So the the and the 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 opposite of welcome. Un- yeah. Unwelcome. It was. I I don't know how to explain it because, in the city, it's pardon I can't say that word. A majority of the people are seniors, 
uh, Caucasian. Um, but it, it is a mixed community. I will say that it is a diverse, but the people that run the city are predominantly Caucasian and older male. Um, and there was a major studio that came into Vallejo that kind of just took every opportunity that I was trying to create, they implemented it. And because they were a major studio, people had more trust with them. Yeah, they just had more resources, more support, all the, yeah, sure. And um, on the side of it, being vocal about the issues that was happening within the community, uh, such as the homelessness and the mental illnesses uh, that was going around and uh, suicides. Um, I had spoken out to the city council members about how they were treating the people within the city. And uh, the manager for the city council in turn called the police and filed a, f a false self-harm report and uh in the evening the police showed up at my house they asked if I was going to do anything to myself and I had the flu I was watching Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory I was even though I was miserable feeling miserable I was quite content mm -hmm. um but the police charged at me. They handcuffed me. They shoved me into the police car. Didn't even tell me what was going on. Um, when they were putting me into the police car, I saw the manager's name for the city council. So I, connecting the pieces, knew um, what was going on. Um, but it's scary because if you know Vallejo, they are a very scandalous city i've only my only experience is six flags mm. i mean if you've ever wanted political corruption ideas for story research Vallejo. copy that <laughs> okay all right um, yes this is yeah so yeah um the police took me to fairfield and put me into a 5150 hold and yeah, so I was there for 12 hours. I was supposed to have been there for 72, but because I had no business being there, they let me out. And that is the start of the transition to L.A. Okay. Um, yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh, while I was living there, uh, also... <laughs> being outspoken about different issues in the cannabis industry um, around the birthdays of one of the major influencers of the city, I got hit by a car. That's how I got these gnarly scars on my mm. eye. And I just keep thinking back, like, was that supposed to be a birthday present for him? Like, it was, it was, it was this was coincidence, right? I would like to think so. Uh, I like to hope so. Yeah. Um, okay, I, I, hopefully. <laughs> that's that's the idea. It's, it's just gnarly because I, I think of myself and then I think about all the other players that were trying to do stuff within the city that were just like a lady was 
mis- just mysteriously her car was parked on the train tracks and she got hit by a car or by the train like yeah we hear those stories on occasion it's always weird and this lady was just the most positive vibrant most resourceful person for the homeless community and yeah so i mean yeah okay stuff like that kind of forced me out of vallejo because i really felt like if i had kept i'm not the type of person to not insert my voice when i see something wrong so i felt like i could not be in that city because it would hurt me not to be able to be an advocate and then also stay in that city being an advocate i could be risking whatever so yeah. Here I am. Welcome to Los Angeles. <laughs> no, I hope that doesn't make me sound crazy, but no, no. that is what's happened, and I don't know how else to. Yeah, no, it doesn't sound fun um, at all, <laughs> I guess to say the least. Uh, okay. Well, bombs, drown, drop. Okay, so, um, <laughs> all right, so, so you... All that was going down. You still wanted to be. You said you were. I guess on the on the uh, on on the day to day, you were less involved in film to begin with. So this, you're yeah. You you had decided that it was time to up and out, and you thought of Los Angeles because I gotta I gotta assume you didn't you didn't mention this, but coming down for the filmmaking and to refocus up on the creative was the idea. Yes. Okay. You made the jump. You got down here. Um, yeah, because we uh, have been on set, I think, just, just once together. Was it just a one-timer? I think so, yeah. And now, yeah, and we've, we've kept in touch, which I think is cool. Yes. Uh, via Facebook. Yes. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I believe that was that was like a Mark Hensley production. I haven't had Mark on the show yet. I should get him on the <gasps> show. Mark! Come through. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, I forget. I was I don't even know what I was doing on that set. I feel like I was like an AD or I don't know what I got going on. What I think so. Or sound. I don't even know. I don't think I was doing sound. But regardless, you were there. I believe yes. you were you were like volunteering as I mean it was a full volunteer production. It was one of those yes. one of those things. You were there as a PA maybe? Yeah, I think I think I was helping the lady, the redhead. I forgot her name. Um, with the art department and stuff, but yes, also PA. Okay, just uh, general generalized additional hands and help. Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> so I know that I've been keeping in touch with you on Facebook kind of since then. You're very good at posting and being open with like stuff that's going on, whether it's kind of like personal life stuff or industry stuff or experiences you're having the good and the bad so i've i've been able to kind of track your <laughs> track your track your growth which has been <laughs> kind of fun for me to watch um can you talk about cuz uh yeah you're an actor yes um you're sag currently yes yes okay and you reach sag via background work is that correct correct okay and background work, is that the bread and butter these days still? For oh. me, yes. Okay. So what I want to hear about, which is because it's cool, is that that trajectory and, and finally getting that footing and finding kind of like that consistency, because we're talking about consistency, mm-hmm. uh, 
in that space and kind of what that has provided you and, and what you've learned through those experiences and stuff. But I don't know, but at the beginning, how did you... Well, yeah, because I feel like you weren't involved in background work as much when we had first met, but maybe you were. I don't, I don't recall. I don't, re- I don't really know. I don't remember. I should know, but I don't remember. <laughs> uh, so, how I got into background acting specifically, I don't recall. Let me, pa- let me pause. Sorry to cut you off. I do want to clarify for people at home that are maybe less less familiar with background. Mm-hmm. Uh, we call okay, so. The old term for background was extras. I don't think we use the term extras anymore. It's called background background players or background in general. Um, they're the people, and 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 so you have your uh, your kind of. I guess I don't know how, how would you describe background. Can you do it for me? <laughs> um, I hear the term atmosphere talent dropped quite a bit. Okay. Um, that sounds cool too <laughs> it's yeah definitely a more advanced or i don't know beautiful term for it um yeah atmosphere talent is what i hear and that's basically just people filling the scenes to make it look more real if that makes sense yeah so we have our main talent who are close to the camera having their dialogue and then they're at that air, they're at an airport or in a coffee spot or the bar or anyway any 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 scene in any movie ever yeah has the world around them living and breathing and uh those are all um paid actors yeah and, and uh, you've been on some cool stuff okay let's go back to the beat <laughs> okay uh so i it started with central casting and i've I'm still with Central Casting. I am forever grateful for Central Casting. And um, then COVID wasn't a theme, so we would be able to actually go to the AF office and they would take a headshot photo, a body shot photo, and take your measurements and uh, three different looks and what happens is the production companies will reach out to Central or the other booking companies and they'll be like, hey, we need a group of people that fit this criteria. And Central will then go into their database and pull up all the people that fit their needs and uh, production will then be like, yeah, we want this person, this person, and da 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 And so that's how that process works. And... Um, yeah, Central, they have booked me for some of the most amazing roles. Um, and it really is a process. Like, you learn so much every time you go in. Um, getting the vouchers, I didn't think I got all three of my vouchers to join Zag, SAG for at least two years. Um, two and a half years. My first one was on Tim Allen's Last Man Standing. That was such a... I cried because it's a lot of work. Um, You cried in a good way or a bad way? Yes, because it's so... It feels so good to be able to get that yellow piece of paper because you... Oh, to get your first voucher? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it just... It's uh, it's a moment uh, because it's also like not everybody gets them so it's it's almost like a i don't know how to explain that but. a lottery yeah you got, you got yeah uh okay 
to clarify, in order to join SAG, and there's different ways of joining SAG. One of the ways is collecting these SAG vouchers via yes. doing background work specifically, right? And there's other ways to get them. But yes, uh, what happens sometimes if there's not enough SAG players on set, like the criteria is there has to be, uh, they start with 20 SAG or 24 SAG members, and then beyond that is non-union. So if there's not, if somebody drops that day, a non-union can get bumped up to SAG. Okay. Or if you're handed a line on set, you'll get a SAG vouchers. And um, if you have a specialty, you'll get a SAG voucher. There's. Yeah, there's the. Yeah, it's, it gets tricky and weird. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, let's dive. I, what I'm curious about, too, and I don't know how interesting this may be to you, but I think <laughs> it's kind of interesting because I've never. I've. Never done. I work in the indie space here. <laughs> I've been on very few projects where any considerable considerable amount of, of background come in to fill in scenes. And I myself have done very little background work. And it's normally smaller scale stuff if I am in the background. What is, uh, uh, can you run through like a, a day in the life of... So so you get hit up by central casting and then take us through like the email that you receive cuz I know those can be really weird and tricky with yes I guess they get so specific yes and uh <laughs> the showing up the checking in like I want to hear kind of like the the kind of the nuts and bolts nitty gritty of it if you if you don't mind sure okay so you'll get um an availability request um so actually I'm with two services. I'm with Central and Book Talent and they operate kind of differently. Uh with Book Talent, what they'll do is if you have your availability is marked you're available on the calendar, they'll just straight up book you. And they'll send you notifications that you'll be getting details from them or the, from the production at a later time. Mm -hmm. But once you get those details from whoever your service is, um, it's then your job to find the location that you're supposed to report to base camp. Um, sometimes, well, now there's the COVID testing. So before we can even go to set, we'll have to go to like a testing site to do COVID testing, either the nose swab or the mouth swab, whatever. And um, once you get cleared for that, sometimes you'll have to do COVID training from home like the health and safety standards on site. Um, and then you'll get your other details, like what costumes to bring. Or if you need to do, like with me, because of my hair texture, if I have to do a scene that requires my hair straightened, it takes like six hours. So I have to plan for that the day before. Um, but anyways, you get to set. Um, you'll find your PA. You get checked in. You'll go through hair, makeup, costumes. Um, if you've done, I was gonna say, can you talk about the uh, what kind of like the weird stuff that comes up in the emails, or like 
is that they ask you have to bring your own you don't have to bring your own co- I guess it depends on the production too but uh I'm trying to imagine like depending on the scene I don't know if it's expected that you bring different looks or certain yes. colors or yes. uh, yeah you mentioned like bring your hair a certain way yeah what other stuff kind of are in those those pre-show up as kind of requirements sure um they do prefer you to bring options uh, uh within the details they'll send you different looks to try to base your look off of what you bring in um so like Sometimes, or a lot of times in the summer, we'll be filming winter scenes. So we'll bring winter gear in like 80, 90 degree weather. So in that instance, I would recommend people bring fans or sunblock. And because not everybody does. And when they're on set, they're always miserable. So <laughs> yeah, you got to watch out for yourself. You really do. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you just got to pay attention to what they're asking of you. Um, bring as much of it as you can uh, to sets and they'll ask you to show what you have and they'll basically pick from what you have and then if you don't have what they need they'll pull from their racks and um, yeah usually with period pieces they'll do fittings before so then you don't have to bring anything in and you'll just um, bring yourself in and undergarments and they will get you dressed with what they have. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so now you're on set mm-hmm. and you're in you're in some sort of holding. Yes. What kind of where do you typically what does holding normally look like? What has it looked like? It can really depend. Yeah, holdings they could be they can they really differ be- between each production. Because at the bottom line, people view background actors as nothing, not a zilch, not important, uh, the last of anything to be considered. And sometimes that's how holdings reflect. There'll be the bare minimum, there'll be not enough waters, not enough heaters, not enough chairs, not enough tables. Not enough crafty, just. But then you can get on some really great sets, and they just really spoil you. Um, so I mean, it just really depends on the production. What does a spoiled, spoiled holding look like? What they have more than enough of everything, and they just open bar. <laughs> um. Well, I mean, they'll have like a really great thoughtful and just an amazing crafty just accessible for us and you don't have to do that whole well are you union or are you non-union oh, that could be a thing at crafty absolutely yes if you're non-union stay to your crafty until somebody says you can go to the crafty for crew and union because people crew members most specifically will frown upon you if you're non-union going into Into their crafty yes i mean i get it i get it they work hard long hours they should get the better food but (laughs) (laughs) Uh... i I get it (laughs) 
sorry. <laughs> it just hurts. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, and then, because, I mean, if you're filming in location, there won't always be, like, canopies to block from the sun, so you'll just be in complete wilderness. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, the more you work the different gigs, you learn different tricks, like to bring your own chair, bring... Um, magazines, books, personal fans, sunscreen, water, food. Like, it's almost like you're going on the survival trip, basically. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta survive. <laughs> <laughs> you really do. And um, yeah, so yeah, that's holding. Um, and then, and then I guess, how, how long are, are, how much time is spent in holding? versus on set doing the thing like has that, how's that ratio can i i think i think it, yeah i think it really depends on the person like for me i show up ready to work like i purposely p- p- position myself by the pas or closest to the um set door so they don't have to go searching for me and I I feel not to like brag or anything, but I feel just the professionalism that I bring to the set has allowed me to get a lot of a lot more featured background positions. Whereas people sometimes people will show up with just no care in the world, no hustle, no professionalism, and they'll be sitting and holding for the entire shoot. So you're just really yeah. No, that that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, because based on how you're describing it, it feels like you can observe the people in the room and be like, oh, this this person here looks prepared. They've got their this, they've got their this. I don't know if you're like reading a book while you're waiting or like what your, what your standard is. I normally don't sit. You're standing? I literally will just walk around the room, oh, okay. pacing, just standing close by. I rarely ever go to crafty, like, I've I've heard the worst thing that you could ever do on a set is to have them wait for you, so I implement that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I think that's, that's that's great advice. Um, yeah, we wait on lots of people all the time. That's okay, but yeah, that's that's weird. All right, okay. So you yeah, this person looks prepared. They look like they're ready. They're 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 happy to be here. All that all that makes you more attractive too. All right, you yeah, let's come to, let's come to the thing. Yeah. And then uh, okay, so now you get called to set. How does how does this go? Cause who's who are you in communication with? Cause that's that's a whole tiered weird system that I'm less familiar with, and I have a, I have a I have a brief yeah I have a slight I might interject a slight story of my own. Sure. <laughs> That has nothing to do with really much of anything, but I'll try not to forget it. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so, like, they'll have sides that the crew is working with for the day. And the sides are basically um, script pages that are being filmed on that set. And those pages, they have the lead cast um, waiting in their trailers or whatever. And so there will be a 
second team, which is the stand-ins getting uh, the positions and the lighting ready for the lead talent or first team or whatever. And while they're getting set up, the second second AD is communicating to the PAs the different background that they need to bring in for the scene. And so the PA will come to the holding area and he'll look through everybody that's in holding and be like, you, 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 you. And that's basically the start of the day. Um, that would technically be the group for the first shot, first scene. And we would be brought into the stage. We would get our placements. Uh, sometimes we might see a rehearsal with the second team um, or run through it with the second team. It really depends on the show. And, yeah, the first team, the main talent will come in. We'll shoot the scene. And depending on what, how they have the flow going, they'll do a couple takes of that first scene. And then they'll do a turnaround. And so... We, who's already in that shot, will go back to holding and the PA will go grab a new bunch and bring them in for that turnaround. And yeah. Okay. And what typically are you doing in the background as background? What are the uh, what are the go to uh like I'm ass- I'm assuming that somebody's assigning the business. Yes. How does that get divvied and what are you hoping to receive? Like, what do you want to be like? What's the, yeah, what's the ideal sitch? And then what are the typical common things? So I think for everybody, the ideal situation is to go from background to co-star. I think that's everybody's, well, not everybody's, the majority's goal. I mean, there's some people that have been working background for 20 years and they're just happy to stay doing background. Um, the co-star would mean that you get pulled in for dialogue? Or? A regular series, regular. Okay, sure. Or, I, yeah. I guess more what I mean is as background, when you're working background, are you, I don't know, I'll just throw up some examples, or I guess maybe just to clarif- clarify the question. When you're being assigned stuff to do in the background, what are you? What's the ideal situation? Like, okay. do you want to be a crosser? Do you want to be just having a conversation with somebody? Do you want to be like somebody throwing it? Like, I don't know what kind of the things they assign people in, sure. in in those circumstances, but I guess yeah. Um, again, I think it really just depends on the each person's goal. Like, if you don't want to stand out, then people kind of try to hide back. In the be as far back from the camera as possible. Um, the real go getters will try to find their way as close to the camera as possible, mm-hmm. and that's a funny group because they get really defensive about their positions and camera placement. <laughs> and, and so I try to stay out of their way. <laughs> um, but the PA, he usually is. Uh, giving the directions to the background actors like cross here, go sit here, run there, um, communicate or talk with this person. Um, And then sometimes the second second AD who is working with the director 
will have more specific needs. And so they'll go to the background actors and be like, I need you to specifically do this, or I'm going to change this, so I need you to do this. Um, So there's no real... I mean, rarely would you ever see the actual director give background directions. Yeah, I think they try to not have that. That's like not supposed to happen is right here. Yeah. The DGA actors is not... The DGA director... It's kind of like a no-no to have them have that. Yeah, I think I've heard stories like that before. (laughs) Like Michael Bay will try to be like, he's like getting upset about something with the background and then be yelling at the background as Michael Bay may do. And then the AD will just be shouting, just echoing the same thing, even though obviously Michael Bay, you can hear him. (laughs) But per procedure, the AD is also echoing the thing just because it's the... That's what we do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it really just depends on the person and what they're... So, yeah, I'm, I'm asking you. What's your preference? I, I'm i all over the place. Like, I find joy in all the different placements in background. Uh, like, most recently on the Seth Rogen shoot, even though I wasn't facing the camera, I was still prominent. And... Hello, airplane. <laughs> um, and the scene partner that I had, she was sitting in front of me at this table, and she just could not keep a straight face just because Seth Rogen's laugh is just so fucking amazing. And so I really enjoy those moments because I then feel like I had to like be like, stay with me, stay with me, and you have to pantomime so you can't really talk. And you have to, like, try to make your actions make sense with the scene so you're not just, like, looking some random person doing whatever the hell she wants. Yeah, so do you have what, – what were the specificities on this scene? Do you – do you, so what – so you're just – okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't really go too much into it because of non, uh, non-disclosures. Well, I don't need to hear the specific dialogue, <laughs> but you, you and your scene partner and background are – needing to be normal people having a normal conversation not reacting to Seth Rogen's character correct okay that's that's more what I yeah yes and then what was he saying and what, I'm just kidding uh, <laughs> I'm just I kidding. don't even know I I honestly I would I don't even know anything about that scene because I was just so focused on trying to get her to not laugh <laughs> I enjoy that stuff but then um there was other times where I was booked as just a regular patron, but then I got pulled in to be part of a dance group, and that was a mo. That was probably one of the most intimate black scenes I had ever been a part of, and it was just so magical. Uh, it was unexpected, and so to and I'm not really a dancer, so there's just. Little stuff like that. There's always unexpected things happening. Crosses suck because you have to really remember where you crossed, how you crossed, at what line you crossed. Yeah. And you also have to be aware of the uh, equipment that's around you, the talent. Uh, Is there anybody helping with the continuity of the crosses? Like if you... Like, who's actually having your back on when to go and how to go? 
And it's usually the PAs in the second ADs, in the second, second ADs. Sorry, second ADs in the second ADs. I'm getting that all back. The PAs <laughs> in the, in the second, second, in the second. There's a the... whole team of people. <laughs> okay, okay. So it's not the script supervisor. The script supervisor, from what I've observed, is more continuity of the first team lead actors. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's my understanding as well as a script supervisor. <laughs> but I've like again, I haven't, I don't have that the bigger set experience as a script soup. I don't imagine there's a capacity for them to watch both things at once. It's zero percent. There's too much going on in the background. There's so much. Okay. Yeah. All right. Lovely. <laughs> uh, lovely. Okay. Um. Let's let's switch topics. And then I might come. Oh, uh, my, my one little my one little story on background, if I may, just so you can make me feel better potentially, <laughs> is um, I've been in Los Angeles a little over three years now. I have experience, like a lot of indie experience. I've self-produced many a short film. I've ad'd many a short film. I've ad'd a feature film. I've script supervised many indie features. I've directed multiple features at this point i guess rewinding a little bit i'd still had essentially that same experience just a little bit less of it i remember i had a friend who works as a i think she does like second seconding or like background pa management specifically and she was posting that hey last minute we need like a back we need an additional background pa for like tomorrow like last minute tomorrow who's down who's available and i raised my hand or i responded on facebook saying that's like sounds good yeah i could like i could i'm sure i could figure that out <laughs> i can do that <laughs> and then she clarified with me i was like have you done it before i'm like no but i've i have first ad experience managing entire productions i think i could handle background paing and she said, well, it's, I, she really needed people that had the experience of it. So I didn't get the gig. Mm. But I was hoping to land on a set and, you know, have that background PA experience. But I was not given the chance. And I'm like, that was kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. I'm like, mm. how can, how can I first AD and be the leader, but not handle managing back? Oh, either way, maybe in hindsight, I imagine it's probably the correct call. I don't know how much background there was to manage, but mm. bringing in a newbie and teaching them on the job during like managing two hundred people or something, I imagine would not go not would not go well. I'd, <laughs> I'd hold up the whole production maybe. But how? What's your take on my story? <laughs> I mean, ah, uh, she in the right. I mean, yes and no. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, you had extra perspective. You do have a background. You do have knowledge. So, I mean, I, I, I imagine you would have been able to assist in some kind of capacity. Uh, but, I mean. Some kind of, yeah. But, I mean, it is a whole thing, background. It's a whole different world. Yeah. Um. And I feel like I was probably, and still am a little bit, which is why I'm digging into like 
the specificities. It's like, well, I yeah, there probably was some ignorance of the process. I'm like, well, I've done other stuff. I feel like I can figure it out. But but um, it's just yeah. I think he could have done it. It might have just been as small as just not comfortable with. I I don't even know. There's so many different factors as to what would have made her say no. Well, it sounds like to me, if you put, let's say, like if you put yourself in the other person's shoes as that PA pulling people out of background holding, that's almost like a skill of its own. It's like, how, how are they picking people? And they have to do it quickly. Right. And they have to wrangle you and they have to get you to set. And then there's like the go-to moves and like all right we there there's this ability to fill the space properly there's like all this stuff kind of going on and if if you've never done it before you might just be like not helpful at all see like i don't know because i i worked on a set and the uh the pa or whatever i always get this backwards he was telling me how he got into his position and what happened was covid had shut down his business and the production came into his business asking if they could use their space. And he was like, well, unfortunately, this is shutting down, but can I get a job? And sure enough. Okay. They handed him, like, background PA work? Yeah. It's nice of them. I could have done it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it, it might have just came down to a person and how they were feeling yeah, she's a pro and she does things great and uh, it's probably a bigger production than like that was probably a who knows <laughs> i'm giving the benefit of the doubt i'm just i'm just a little still burnt don't don't be it probably had nothing to do with you <laughs> no it's fine it's fine <laughs> it's fine oh no it's just one of those classic things that's never fun especially in, like the film industry is everybody's looking for opportunities yes in positions that they have less experience in. And then there's always the, the catch 22 of like, you need the experience before we'll put you in it, but you need yes. to be in it. It's just the classics. The classic vicious thing. circle. Every step of the way, essentially. Yeah. Forever. <laughs> okay. So I was going to switch topics. Um, brought that up. Okay. Okay. This is, this is the nice one. This is the big one. Uh, self-producing. Mm. I know this is what I, what prompted me to reach out initially was, uh, yeah, you posted recently <laughs> and I wanted to talk about everything. Um, self-producing. Let's dig into this recent project of yours. I'll sum it up for people if I may. Mm -hmm. Just based on Facebook posts alone, at some point. I don't know. You post about doing a lot of writing, which I think is cool. So I, I'm trying to, I'll just, I'll, I'll make some posts up too. There's a post about like, I've got an idea. There's another post about, oh my gosh, the script is done. And then there's, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm like, I'm casting that I've launched. Like I'm casting for my, my short. I want to shoot it in mid June. And then you'd talk about, okay. Oh, I got a lot of casting submissions and a lot of actors to sift through their reels and all this kind of stuff. It's very exciting. Mm -hmm. And then you fast forward a little bit and it's like, I'm sad to say, <laughs> <laughs> the project has been canned and I'm canceling it. Mm -hmm. um, so, that's <laughs> so, 
self-producing is hard. Uh, what shall we talk about? Okay, so bottom line, I love producing. Like I overall goal, I want to own a studio. I would love to produce. I want to be like a Netflix, Sony, Amazon, all of that. Uh, Paramount Plus. Like I want Ooh, to do. Th- <laughs> no, I didn't say it. <laughs> I want to do that. And no, please, yeah, pick up my movie, Paramount <laughs> Plus. <laughs> like it's so like the whole entire process of producing. I love it, but it is such a fucking bitch like it is soul draining you will turn your hair will turn gray you'll grow wrinkles that you didn't know could fold like that (laughs) and um, but it's just such a thrill from the concepts producing the concept to filling in all the pieces the casting the locations, the going back to sounds and your team and just putting all the pieces together of taking that vision into a, a complete product. I absolutely love it. But when you don't have money or you don't have all the fancy gear and you don't have all the resources that many people have, it is just is incredibly complex and frustrating. Um, I'll, I'll start with that. <laughs> okay. Um, so to clarify, let's clarify. Okay, I guess maybe, I don't know, it would be interesting for me to hear more about the project specifically sure. that you were aiming to make. And then maybe we can talk about yeah, where the where the hiccups came and I don't know, just yeah, if that sounds kind of fun to me. Okay. If you're, if you're so, down for it. Um, the script actually started as a writing prompt. Somebody had reached out to me asking to write a sci-fi short. Took place in one location, minimal characters, and that's how I came up with modified. Modified takes place in a classroom three characters and it is sci-fi and she revealed to me more parameters after I had showed her the script and I'm just like well this isn't going to be useful for you so I'm just going to keep it for myself and make it a proof of concept for a pilot and after that I started going into casting um, casting was basically what shut this project down. Um, how many, three cast members? Mm-hmm. Okay. I was never able to fully su- or successfully cast the main character. It called for an African-American male, 40-ish, 40-ish. And I think I went through two different people and... I just couldn't get the professionalism out of them to be able to actually confirm that we would be shooting or let alone doing a table read. And then aside from that character, the other lead characters, uh, the actors for that would go back and forth on their availability. And so, I mean, I, before... 
sorry, while doing casting, I was doing storyboards, shot lists, um, getting ready for props. I had done special effects tests because there's a scene or there's a moment within the script where somebody gets a scratch. Um, so I was working on that. I had found a location and they had agreed to go down $250 in the cost. Like I was, I was ready to go, but casting just couldn't get it together. That's All right. Yes. Okay. Let's see. <laughs> All right. Um. Three actors. Had you had you attached any crew yet, or what was the plan with crew? I had. There was two ladies that had reached out to me, had never met them before, but they had reached out and expressed interest in helping with the crew. I had another cat come through and expressed interest. Is he a cat? Sorry. Another person. (laughs) (laughs) Another gentleman. He came through and offered assistance, and we were having really great conversations, and just he just stopped responding. The crew person. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I don't know. Like, these were going to be paid roles. Everybody was going to be paid at least a minimum um, for uh, non-union. And it was going to be just a one-day shoot, 8 a.m. to 6 with a hard out by 6.30. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sorry. I don't know. No, yeah. it, in my head, it just made sense. Like, we could do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for some reason, just couldn't get it together. Yes, okay. I'm trying to figure out how I can be helpful here. In <laughs> my. Because, my, I mean, you've produced stuff before. Yes. Um, was this, was this, I guess, just for clarification. Is this on a higher scale up? Like you're you're trying to level up a little bit with this one, right? Like you're you're reaching outside of your own your own your own bubble to try to pull people in, and you wanted to pay people. I think you're going SAG on this one too. Uh, it would have been non-union. Okay, non-union. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but you wanted to do it. Yeah, you're respecting people's time. You're yes. trying to give what you can and uh, communicating all of that. It's difficult. <laughs> okay. um, great. Yeah. So I empathize uh, very much so because I've experienced that plenty of times myself as well, which I reach out on occasion. I'll respond to the comments. I'm like, <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. Uh, pe- yeah. People not being good with coordinating and, and responding. And, or there was even an issue. I remember. I don't know if this is tied to the same short, but you're talking about how you'll be reaching out to gauge interest from, I don't know, we'll just say crew. Like you're reaching out to see like who's interested in, in being a part of the crew or whatever. And then people will be like, oh, yeah, I'm interested. Can you send me some details? And then you send them details and then you never hear back. Or it's like, where'd you go? I thought you were interested. Are you, uh, hey, what thoughts? And then ghosted or like i don't know yeah um yeah that was related to this project that was more um 
So, yeah, a few people I had sent it to, like, casting directors, and I would send it to them, and they would say, like, yeah, I could send this to this person. They would be great for this, and I'd never hear back. Or um, just, like, script readers. And this, I guess it was kind of in general. Like, uh, there'd be times where I had send scripts to people to read for feedback, and they just never say anything back. Yeah. So there's there's a combination of the ghosting in many different scenarios. Yeah, that happens a lot too. I know it's even even being on the other end of it with being sent something to read. It mm. is hard to follow through with finding time to read it. And I mean, even when it, with best intentions, it's just it, yeah. So I, I it happens a lot. Like I know that I've I've talked up. With some directors I've worked with, I'm like, I just wrote like the best script I've ever written in my life, and I want to make this feature, but I don't even know if this is good. Can you like? And they're like, yeah, send it my way for sure. I'm happy to read. It. I normally don't read stuff for people, um, but for you, yeah, for sure, send it over. And then a year later, I'm like, oh, they never read. I don't know, yeah. which is fine. Which is fine. I don't know. Yeah. That's why I tell people like, you can send it to me, but I'm I probably won't read it. Because I'm a horrible reader. And if I do, be very thankful. <laughs> yes. Because it's, 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 it's hard. When you're a writer yourself, I can't... I mean, I could read somebody's script and I could critique it, give notes, whatever. You should like consider that, consider taking that out, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, you are still going to be slightly influenced. And I don't want that. I don't want to... Right. I don't want to read my friend's script and then four months down the road I'm starting to write something. Oh. And then, like... You're like you're pulling ideas from their thing kind of thing? I, I, I do feel like I... I mean, I do feel like personally I can be easily influenced. And so I, I see it with my... When I read my father's scripts, um, there'll be times where he's talking about stuff and then I'm just thinking like, oh, shit. Did I do something like that? Am I pulling from him? It's okay to pull. It's no. Okay. It's totally. <laughs> that's, that's everybody everywhere all the time is getting influenced from the art they, they consume, stuff they see, conversations they hear. It's We're all true. pulling from something. But I understand that I think it's a good exercise in general to, I guess, acknowledge like, oh, I literally i'm pulling this joke from my friends like you, you don't want to do stuff like that no but it's okay to have certain themes overlapping because there's only source so many stories to tell that's We're like oh my friend was all that's happening to me right now kind of like i'm prepping to do like a, a short next month and i script supervise so i work with other directors on supporting them with their projects and it's kind of been like a, a bigger theme as of late, but it's there's been a lot of there's been a few projects with like a younger female lead, who's who's dealing with like, kind of more of a, like the man power dynamic on her, mm. either with um, either if it's like, f for lack of a better term, like like daddy issues where she has issues with her dad, and then she'll s she'll project him on like other characters too. Or uh, like grooming stories with men trying to control the w you know, young impressionable women, um, so like I'm telling a similar story like that too. It's like a, it's a catharsis piece where a woman 
is coming to the realization of all the the avenue she's been led down that she didn't want to go down and then i'm trying to pull for some like nice moments that happen i'm like well how do i how do i how do i sit like i really want this to come across in this way and i'll think about how do these other ones do it okay i don't want to do it like them but like how do they do it right and then at least knowing like yeah you don't want it yeah that could almost help you steer into another new direction and do it differently too but it's true yeah yeah but yeah <laughs> it's trying to trying to hide from reading people's stuff so you don't steal it yeah <laughs> well, I guess for you, sure. <laughs> if, uh, if you find yourself writing the same script right after reading one, then maybe. I mean, I don't know if that happens because I don't read other people's scripts. Okay. <laughs> I'm <Okay>. precaution. <laughs> All right. So I'm thinking about what current thoughts are you having or lessons are you taking away from this recent experience? Or are you trying to, are you looking to gear up to do something different? Or how are you? How you flipping the script, if you will? On so I don't know. Like, so I'm still kind of figuring it out at this point because this film is not my first film to not be successfully produced within the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I mean, before going into this, I had this thought like, well, I'm just not going to produce at all if I don't have the proper budget, if I don't have the proper crew like if i don't have the things that you essentials to really make even just a basic film i don't want to do it um my father was really gung-ho about me doing this production as i so i gave it a shot and it didn't work out so now i'm just kind of thinking i'm going to go back to my original thought of just not produce anything just keep writing submit my writings to competitions, um, try to put together a package of the different scripts I have, um, like pitch decks, mm-hmm. uh, trailers, anything, and just try to push that out there, but at the same time, try to put more emphasis on acting. Um, I think that's what I'm going to head towards. Okay. <laughs> copy that <laughs> so I guess this was a question that I kind of had when I was forming my notes for today but I forgot to ask <laughs> is yeah what is the dream uh, like, is, yeah. yeah ultimately to own a studio um, like ter- Tyler Perry because um, he does he has his own studio so producing is the dream yeah he does the acting the writing producing directing has the studio that's that's the ultimate. He's a force. Mm, he is. Okay. So so all right. So you want to be the showrunner producer? At, do you envision yourself continuing to act once Absolutely. you once you've hit that road too? Okay. Still still showing up as the actor. Okay. Writer. Yes. Director. Yes. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. I'll even jump in on set deck. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> let, let other people. Let, come on. Let, leave some jobs for some other people. Absolutely. Okay? <laughs> uh, yeah, delegating. Yeah, for sure. No, having, the, yeah, I'm sure you have powerful visions on the art side that you can communicate to your production designer and art director for sure. Yes. I'll stay out of the way, but yes. Yeah, stay out of the way, but here's all my opinions. <laughs> exactly. Okay, I gotta go do this other thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um,. 
if I'm thinking for sure, I know my, I, I guess I feel like sharing my, my producing approach. I don't know if I've even, I don't, because I, I try not, here's what I don't want to, I don't want to be the, because this happens to you on Facebook a lot, and I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to do this, so <laughs> I'll ask you, is it cool if I share my, I don't, I don't want to, what's the word called? Um, mansplain? No, not even mansplain, <laughs> it's called, like, when somebody gives you advice, but you're not even asking for advice, you're just like posting a thing and then people swarm your things with like well you should try have you tried this and you should try this and do this that's called unsolicited advice yes so i'll just share my story and how i go thing and it's not even it's not it's not an (laughs) advice section it's just how does eddie produce because let's just say like i i don't know if you saw i posted a picture recently uh i directed a one day short a few days ago Mm -hmm. And I, I I feel like my issue is I almost don't take I don't feel like I'm taking many risks when I produce stuff lately in a way like it's risky in certain ways and it's got its tried and true method built in but I feel like this one day short it came together because I had an actor friend that was desperate to act and I love working with him and um yeah, he was like, if I don't act in something soon, I'm going to die. <laughs> like, kind of like half joke. And I'm like, dude, you want to act? Like, yeah, let's find a day. And then I hit up my cinematographer buddy that's donate, donated his time to a few shorts. And we, yeah, we got our track record together. And I was like, hey, uh, so-and-so is down to act. And I, do you, is there any way that you want to do like a one-day fun thing sometime? And he's like, yeah, with that guy and you. Yeah, for sure. Let's do it. So then I get, uh, what I try to do is I try to create my little core, like creating the core of who's most important to be there and and then finding a date with just those very few, as few people as possible. Main talent, cinematographer, and me. As long as the date works for us three. And then I guess I had to find a location for us too. So maybe like four pieces to the puzzle. Is it good for location, camera, actor, and me? And then I wrote a script just to be two people. I'm like, okay, all I have to do is find a scene partner for this guy and this down to come out for free and work with me. Because I was, this is this is a this is just a for fun day. So I'm not even paying people. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, I got the date. And then I go from there. <laughs> it's helpful. I wasn't attached to the pro- I wasn't attached to the material because I wrote it so quickly. Yeah. It was just helpful too because you're not married to it. And it's the, it it kind of takes some weight off. Um, so then, uh, cinematographer asks like, "Well, to do this the way that we want to do it, you know, cinematographers are always asking for help. How dare they? <laughs> <laughs> it's help with lighting or help with the camera itself." Like pulling focus, you know, that's super helpful. If it takes a lot of weight off the the cinematographer to give them help, so I reached out to a friend that has shot some stuff for me and some other friends, and she was down to come out and work with him, and was super stoked about that. And then I had some other friends that were, yeah. So I guess 
I, I'm, I'm kind of cheating and I'm reaching out to people that I already know are looking for something to kind of just hang around and do stuff with. Um, but I guess like the main, the main point is I normally have that little bit of core and then I'm flexible and chill with who comes around that core. So when I'm thinking about like your thing, it sounded like the cast was the biggest, like you needed this guy to work out. And you had a location already. So you had the location, you had you. And then the cast was bigger than my cast. Like it was three. Like, I'm so I'm so scared of casting. Mm. I'll tell you what. Act, yeah, availability is hard to wrangle. The longer the project, the harder it gets. So, like, the three features I've done, the biggest cast is, like, four people. <laughs> it's, like, four-person cast for a feature. Um, so, I... Yeah, I am. Uh, casting scares me. So keeping <laughs> keeping that as chill as possible, and then like you're doing the one day thing too. So I'm like, it, it sounds. Yeah, I can. See, but I, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Like that's the ideal. Just like, hey guys, I have this location. I'm gonna be here this day. Who could come in? Let's do something. Doesn't have to be anything crazy. And I wish that could happen. I mean, just recently. There was one week where I had five conversations of the same thing. Like, okay, guys, we all have the same energy. We have the same goal. We have. We all want to make mm-hmm. movies. We want to do this. So when are we going to meet? And every conversation ends like that. When are we going to meet? How are we going to meet? And where Where do you meet these people? Who are these people? Are these uh, friends you make during background work? Or? They're mainly from background work or like... I've met a few people through Zoom conversations, uh, different Zoom events. Like, I'm, I'm such an introvert, but I'm so wanting to get into this business that I make myself an extrovert. Yeah. And, like, wherever I'm at, I try to meet somebody. Because I, I really believe that if you have a tribe and that you're consistent, you can, it, it, everything will just be endless for you. Um, yeah. Yeah, I will say, again, those experiences are all too common. Like, before I moved to L.A., I was doing short films in Reno mm. with the community and wrangling people for that. And I know it was always difficult bringing new people into the into the spheres. Like, a lot of people, just in life, will speak out about their dreams in be convincing about it too is like this is what i want to do and yeah like or like even go as far as just say that like like to have lunch with me or something is like okay yeah you're interested let's grab lunch let's talk about it and then i'll grab lunch with them and you know pull out like kind of almost like what's what's the dream you want to act or you want to be camera or like where do you where which direction do you want to go and i want to help you get there is how i look at look at it and then (laughs) when a short comes around like back in reno days or whatever i'm like hey you said you're down to like help with camera or learn some camera stuff or just be on set in general in any capacity to help and they don't show up exactly yeah so that uh, it's it's all too common i think it's i've diagnosed as fear Mm -hmm. because i mean we've all been on the other ends too like especially i feel very introverted as well as like my core so having the energy to step out and do something you've never done before 
that you want to do because you don't want to fail, all that kind of stuff builds up and uh, people get scared and shy away when the opportunity comes on their door, comes to their door. It's hard to, it's hard to answer the call. I just don't get it. Right. I, I, I guess, I think it just, a person has to have a hunger for it. If, um, uh, yeah, you got it. You got to sift through all of those people that are not going to show up. Like, well, as soon as, as soon as they're flaky on, yeah, I mean, if, if you're talking to an actor and you're like, I think you're great. I saw your demo reel and I would love to have you as the lead actor in my short. And I'm just really excited about it. And they're like, oh my gosh, you like me? And do you want to work with me? And then as soon as they don't make themselves available to you, then you know they're not serious and they don't buy into it. And you can let them go. Right. Move on to the next person. But yeah, it takes energy to do that too. You're like, ah. Oh. I take it I personal. Well, yeah, because you're putting yourself out there. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of why I've just been shying away from producing until I have the resources. Because I, I really invest all of me into anything that I try to do. Even if I'm volunteering for somebody, like I don't drive. So I literally have to plan. It's an adventure getting to set. Sometimes it takes like two, three hours to get to the set. And when I get there, I'm 100% there for them. Mm-hmm. And so like when I try to go and produce something and I don't get that energy back, it's just like, fuck me. Like well, It's not, it's not, it's not your fault. It's not, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm saying right, it's not you. You are the one, you're looking for other people like you. And it is difficult to find those people. That's that's so hard. Like I, yeah. I mean, I I know I've been in the biz for when well, I've been practicing wrangling people for I don't know eight years or something now, maybe more. I don't know. And uh, it's it's a it's a skill. It's a craft. It's learned. And yes. you can tell. Yeah, you can you can probably tell at first conversation. Let's get, let's get on the phone and talk, or let's text and talk. And as soon as yeah you can kind of feel the vibe early and you'll you'll learn when to to jump out sooner than later before you've uh yes it was my first group email with the initial full cast like the responses just wasn't happening so i was like look guys like we can make this as good as you make this and i'm gonna put in as much effort as you put in and if that's if this is what you're gonna give well then i'm just gonna it's done. Like yeah, I can't work with nothing. Yeah, you're not being inspired back with with passion from their ends. Yeah, you gotta feed into each other to really make a project work. Yes. Oh. <laughs> oh. Sorry if this is triggering in any way. No, it's great. No, <laughs> no, it's just I feel no, I feel it a hundred percent. I yeah. Okay. Um Yeah. Let me just okay. I was almost gonna change the subject, but um, let me see. I think I have a other thing to say about the same thing here. Directing. Uh, I'm whispering into the mic here. Uh, <laughs> Strangers in the night. <laughs> okay, I think. All right. How do you, oh, God, you gotta mention this. I was going to, all right, I'll ask you a different question. You made a comment, and this is mostly pulling from Facebook here, but um, 
the industry is competitive. Yes. How, knowing that it's competitive, how do you approach it? <laughs> a question. Um, like I mean, it goes with, with I mean everything. Even with background, it's so competitive. Um, I've noticed that one of my best friends, my longest friend in in LA, she and I go back and forth in casting. Like if I don't get the role, she gets the role. And I don't know why they do it, but um, just in film production and everything, like. We are all replaceable, and we all are fighting for the same opportunity, the same job within the same companies, within the same platforms. And there's only so many gatekeeping eyes to let in the chosen people. And so trying to find your niche and trying to find the way to get your brand out there in front of all the other people that are just as good as you are, it's it's so damn challenging. Um, and I think what makes it competitive is our mindsets, uh, not so much the products that we put out. Um, like, just, yeah. Like, there's some, some of the people that I follow on Facebook I've never actually met, but their game is just so fucking strong and they don't really they don't have any more resources than I have um, it's just their how they lay out what they do and the energy that they put behind it they just stand out so much and to try to like I, I don't even know it's it's a game. It's a big chess game, this business. And every day I wake up trying to figure out, like, well, what can I do different to stand out mm -hmm. and be in with the competition? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it feels like, again, just hearkening back to talking background work it feels like you're doing everything in your power and in your control to position yourself for success and it's it, it from, from from an outside eye it, to me it feels like you've like cracked the code on that and you understand how to be successful in that in that field which you don't think you don't feel the same way no because i mean i mean even though since i've joined sag i feel like even though since the time that I've started, I've gotten more featured roles, there's still days, there's still bad sets on days. And, and days on set, yeah. Yeah. And um, word of mouth carries fast. And a lot of the people that work on one show, they travel to another show. So, like, I could have a, an off day on set, and that could piss off the costumer, and that costumer could travel to another show the next day, and there I am, and she'll be like, oh, I remember you. Gotcha. And, and so, like, from there, if they decide to be like, look, to the second AD, don't bring that person on set because she's an asshole, and that second AD has a bad moment with me, they can go to Central and be like, you know what? 
don't ever bring this person back to set. And then if Central's like, you know what? This was bad, so we're never going to book you again. So, I mean, every day is a risk. Even though I could go in with the yeah. best intentions and do the best job that I could, I could still do something wrong in some kind of way, and that would be it. Okay, so it almost feels like all the eggs are in one basket kind of thing, where one mistake, you lose everything. Because, yeah, being that there there are the limited casting people, casting agencies. You said you're with two? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. I guess I would flip. I don't know. This, this isn't very hard. Like, for, like... Um, I had been blessed to be able to stay working, background, not so much during COVID, but once everything started opening up, it was impossible to get into background roles. Um, What they were doing was they were bringing in people that they knew, not so much that they could trust, but they knew that was vaccinated or that they knew was okay with testing all the time, so the roles were very limited. Yeah, they kept the little, yeah, they're trying to bubble it, bubble up the background industry, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember where I was going with that, but yeah. <laughs> okay, what I was going to say <laughs> was I could offer the, like, okay, what I, I don't know, I, I approach things, I feel, I don't know, like when you come to set and you're prepared and you are having a good day, that same that same day ripples across all the people the same way that having a bad day does does or or does yeah yeah with like the costumers like oh my gosh Jessica was like the easiest person that came through such great energy loved working with her like those those great words come out as well but I guess um yeah it can it yeah if you feel like you're walking on uh. Gee, there's so many meta. Okay, you know, walking on eggshells, <laughs> walking on ice, thin ice. Yeah, if, if yeah, it, if you feel like you're being run by fear, that's not a yeah. By like trying not to mess up versus trying to do a good job is different different mentalities for sure. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I my yeah. I don't. Knowing your dream, I know I would be happier to know that. I'm sure you, there's no way you're not going to try producing something again sometime soon, I feel. Absolutely like. not. Absolutely. Absolutely not. Absolutely not to trying to produce something again soon? Correct. <laughs> what? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. You're too hungry for it. I mean, I know I could do it, and I do have the passion for it, but... It just makes me absolutely crazy not being able to control the things that I can't control. Well, that's that's I, like I I can't I can't force anybody to come to set. I can't force anybody to do anything that they don't want to do, especially if they're not under contract. And Even I, if they are under contract. Well, like if they are under contract and I'm paying, I'm gonna do everything that I can to get what I need sure, <laughs> legally. <sure. laughs> yeah, yeah. I've I've seen big actors drop out of contracts two days before we shoot. Like that stuff still it still happens too. And it, like 
So I guess I want to, I, I just don't know. Like, I want to produce. I know I can do it, but I just don't want to do it with people that have not that same, that just don't want to be there to win it. You just want to be with good people. Yes. Nice, kind people that are there for the right reason. Yes. That appreciate what you're doing, that you appreciate their craft. Yeah. A set, we'll call it uh, just a loving environment. Yes. Yes. A loving, productive environment. That's, that's like. That could, that could be, yeah. Yeah, we can curate that. I think that's like, I mean, because at the end of the day, you're, I mean, if you're, it's almost like you're building a family. And I never, I mean, I have my father and other family members, but there's a bond that you get when you're producing something. And I think that that in itself is why anybody should go into producing a film. It's just the bond that you get with the different people and the, through the process and then being able to see it when it's finished. Like, ugh. No, it's, 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 There's uh, no other feeling. Speaking my language. <laughs> speaking my language. It's, I mean, yeah, picture, so picture I could never film. stop producing, but for right now... Nah. Taking a break. Yes. Copy that. Copy <laughs> that for uh, for mental health purposes. Yes. That's uh, another topic we could talk about. It's a about. whole topic. <laughs> We're winding down here. We have to have another session sometime. I do want to ask quickly. Uh, you shared your your background on Thor: Love and Thunder. Is that a true story? Uh, yes. Can I hear about that? What can you say about that? I know I know Marvel is is, is uh, secrety, but that man. was out here in LA. Mm. Yes, yes. Big Thunder. That was Love and Thunder. Lo- whatever. <laughs> like See, I still Thunder. haven't seen a majority of the Marvel films. Uh-huh. That's fine. Uh, um Big fun Thunder. fact, before getting on to that, uh when Thor initially came out, just for the hell of it, no rhyme or reason. I would always troll Chris Hemsworth. I'd just be like, so in his Facebook feeds or whatever, whenever he would post something, I would just be like, so where's Batman? Where's Batman? Mm-hmm. I don't know why I did it, but it, to be able to go onto set knowing that that's what I was behaving like. You're like, sorry, Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> I love you. Just to love you. <laughs> it was fun. Um, but it was a fun experience. He's super tall, super professional. Mm, I can't really talk too much about it, but... Um, Can we know what what you were playing? I was a nurse. On a different planet or Earth? I'll never tell. Copy <laughs> <laughs> <be> that. <laughs> Um, so you went through makeup. They turned you purple. It's very cool. Is mm, <laughs> it was, it was a very interesting scene. It was. It lasted all day. It was for one scene, and I don't know if they'll get it into the story because I think it was part of their reshoots or additional. Yeah. Some sort yeah, additional photography of some kind. Or yeah. Pick up or, yeah. But for whatever it was, Chris rocked it. And it's a very impactful moment. Okay. Well, it's cool. Yes. I, it's my dream to be working on Marvel sets. So 
being that you got to experience it makes I'm like, to see Thor in person, the costume. Man. So cool. Not just Thor, a few of the others. Who was there? I'm just kidding. There was Loki, and there was. All right. Yes. I'm really anxious for another project. It's supposed to be coming out in a few months. Um, I think that, which I cannot say the title. Jeez Louise. The secrecy stuff. I I can't deal with it. I can't deal with it. If you're involved in my thing, please tell everybody about <laughs> it. Like, just tell tell them what the scene was. I don't care. Yeah. But when I'm, yeah, I guess if if I'm directing Marvel, it's different. But either way, sorry, you're in this other thing. You can't say anything about. But it was just that was the most featured that and for all mankind. Uh, for all mankind is coming out June 10th. I've been seeing posters and stuff. Yeah. That was my first like featured featured background role. Um, in this season that's coming out. I don't know if they kept it, but there is a moment where the lead actor goes off book and he just screams at me. And uh, it was such an epic moment. And I I really hope they kept that in this coming up. Yeah. Um, but my character, even though it's just background, uh, it was kind of a, an official background character for one of the lead actors and in his little group okay i dig that yeah so that's uh, yeah yeah kind of remind yeah and then the other one that's coming out in a few months like people can go uh, so far doing background acting and uh, one of the main reasons why i do it is because i hope to make connections to be able to be a better producer um yeah, so for sure. Yeah. I, I feel like you can almost yeah no, background acting so hard. I mean, like you're saying, like like every set, I gotta imagine, like you you kind of pointed out your SAG background now. Yes. So you're higher tiered background than <laughs> than those than those non union the backgrounds. But still, like you're you're kind of saying, people crew can look down on background. Everybody can kind of so it's kind of the 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 deck is a little bit stacked against on on building that connection. But once you once you once you cross that bridge, yeah, there's everybody. Everybody's right there. Yes. Chris Hemsworth's right there. Network with him. You know, get him into your short. Some stuff could happen easy. It's it's crazy. Like. There be times where people say, don't look at the actor, don't talk to the actor, but the actor will be, like, right there. There was another shoot that I was on, uh, freaking Carrie Ellis, the Princess Bride guy. Um, you never saw Princess Bride? Oh, yeah, I'm familiar. I'm familiar with it. Oh, dear. I'm familiar. I don't feel like I've ever seen it. Oh, no. You got to watch title. it. It's, it's a classic. It's a classic. <laughs> okay, so he... He was there, and he was just hanging out in different areas of the background area, this living legend, and he just, was yeah. kind of making himself approachable. There's. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know what's going with that, but... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, we're talking about bridging, bridging the gap, but in communications yeah. across yes. background. We're they they will make themselves accessible to you. Um, 
not all of them. There's been times where there's some actors that are just completely unpleasant to be around. But, like, Octavia Spencer, she is probably her and uh, Cam McCarthy. Uh, Kathy McCarthy? No. Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, I was going to say Jessica McCarthy. <laughs> Those two actresses have been the by far the most approachable and nice, caring, compassionate actresses I've ever seen on set. Like, they to they will talk to you. Melissa McCarthy asked me if I needed water or anything like that. And it's like, they, if yeah, you little, ha- Just little things, yeah. And I feel like if you spent enough time on set, like doing stand-in, you could ask, you could catapult your career in all different kinds of directions just just by being on set and having a good attitude and, yeah. Yeah. That's lovely. <laughs> That's lovely. It's a good note. Yes. Um, yeah, I had so much stuff left on my, on my docket for us to talk about, but I feel like this, that's our time. Okay. And I think we did a great <laughs> job. Thanks for, thanks for chatting about, I guess, I guess maybe, uh, okay, we, we talked about what's coming next and what you want to do. You want to focus on the acting, you want to focus on the yes. writing and, uh, and yeah, make some gains there and then. And we'll see when you, when the jump back in and yeah for now for now I understand I understand <laughs> what you're feeling. <sighs> I think so I think yeah I try to produce projects where I act in it myself, and I'll do the camera and I'll do it all, but it's not the same. As no, you wanna you wanna have that loving environment with other creatives that are also passionate about what they're doing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. Yes. Whatever, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> cool. For the for, so I think that's our show. <laughs> um, for those that want to keep up with you, where's the best place to keep up with uh, Jessica Brown and everything going on? Oh, good question. I always get this backwards. Um, Instagram, JB Period Media, um, California Filmmakers Network. If you're in California. Um, that's on Facebook. Um, yeah, Instagram in there, Facebook. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> All right. Well, again, thanks for being here and chatting through. Uh, thanks for listening. Subscribe, comment, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> all right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bum, bum, bum.